This program has been pre-recorded for airing at this time. Please hold all phone calls. Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Hosted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we are on Save the Lost at All Costs. We are going to open up the phone lines right away. If you are local, you'd like to join in on our discussion today. If you have a question, a general comment, a praise report, we would love to hear from you. The number is 702-650-5588. Again, that number locally is 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we have a toll-free number for you. It's 800-366-8883. Again, if you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, please dial 800-366-8883. We are being streamed live over KKVV's website, and their web address is www.kkvv.com. Hello. Guess I just waved to you. Also, we're being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs' website. Our web address is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, we encourage you to visit our website. Our web address, again, is www.savethelostlv.org. Look for our weekly archive link. Just click onto it. All our uh, rebroadcasts will come up and select the date that you'd like to listen to or as the Spirit leads you. The gospel is always free on our watch. We encourage you to have others come and listen. We have a lot of wonderful resources. We pray that you spend some time on the website and get blessed and, again, tell others. If you have a um, iTunes, excuse me, Apple device, we are on iTunes. I have done two services today, so uh, please forgive me. Uh, I've been up very early. I've been working hard for the last couple of days over the weekend, so forgive me. I'll try to slow it down. But again, if you have an Apple device, uh, we are archived for free on iTunes as well. Also, if you have a cell phone, most of us do, I would like you to lock in this number. You can listen to KKVV anytime you like. On the AM dial, that's 1060 AM, and on the FM dial, it's 100.1. You can actually listen to Save the Loss at All Costs right now. The cell phone number that only works in the United States, I'm going to give it to you twice. Please lock it in. That number is 605-313-0630. Again, 605-313-0630. I really strongly encourage you to uh, make that one of your contacts and share it with somebody. It's a blessing. It's a wonderful resource that uh, the radio station is providing, and it will bless you tremendously. 
So today is Resurrection Sunday. Some people will call it Easter Sunday, but it is Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday because it uh, is in commemoration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, being resurrected. So I am going to get right into Scripture. And uh, our topic for today is the resurrection and the life. Amen? The resurrection and the life. So we are going to go to the Gospel of John. So John is the fourth of the Synoptic Gospels that we find in the New Testament. So we're going to go to John chapter 11, and we are going to look at verse 25. And um, the Word of God says this. I'm in the New King James Version. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, Though he may die, he shall live. And let's look at 26. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He's asking a very serious question. And that question is still relevant today. Do you believe this? He says not only is he the resurrection, he said that he's the life too. So let's start looking at some more scripture. We are going to go over to John chapter 14. And let's look at verse 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's also look at verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Wow. Now let's keep going. There's another one that I want to share with you. So we're in the same chapter. And let's look over and see what we need to look at. We're going to go to verse 19. We're still in John 14 and we're going to go to verse 19. And the word of God says this. Again, John 14, verse 19. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You will also live. How refreshing. Jesus explains to his disciples that he is the resurrection and the life. And he says, even though... They die. They will also live. And then he goes on. A couple of chapters over. And reminds them. That he is the way. The truth and the life. And that no one. Can come to the father. Except through him. Then he further says. That. 
in a little while longer the world will see him no more. But he says, they will see him. And he says, because I live, you will live also. Basing on belief. And we act on what it is that we believe. The resurrection and the life. What man can say they are capable of that? Of bringing themselves back to life and being able to provide eternal life for all those that believe. There's no man or no prophet that can make that statement. Most religions are started by a man or a prophet. See, with Christianity, we don't have just a man or a prophet. We have a high priest. We have a Lord and Savior to the world. We have one that came in a human form, had a human existence, died a human death, and was resurrected to a divine life. And is one that saves. And because he's saved, he can change your life around. He can transform it. Not only has he overcome death, he is giving you the gift that no other can give. That of salvation. That of eternal life. What man or woman can make that claim? You have to ask yourself, who are you following and why? And once you die, because everybody dies, what is it that they have for you? What inheritance do they have for you? And is it the same for a person that has nothing to the person that has the greatest? What is the equalizer? It's very important that we remember he's not just the resurrection. He's the life. He's not just the life. He's the resurrection. He's the resurrection and the life. And see, a, rec- a resurrection in, uh, you know, inquires that the penalty has been paid. See, when we die, we still have to you know, wait to go before the Lord and we'll have to give an account. Oh, but when Jesus was crucified, placed in that tomb, uh, the penalty for sin was death. What penalty was there in his resurrection? So he wasn't like anybody else if you believe the word of God. There was no sting of death because his resurrection wasn't about his sin. He was sinless. He took on the sins of all humanity so that the gift that was always made available will be manifested. He was the first fruit. And if he was the first fruit, then guess what? We will be the first fruits as well. He said, because he lives, we will live also. And because he died and was resurrected, resurrected for those of us who believe, we will have the same. 
I am totally convinced of this. And let's look for some who may doubt uh, the resurrection. Let's, let's look and see what we have here. So, I would like us to go and explore this wonderful word of God some more. And so I am going to ask that we go over to John 20. We are going to go to John 20. We're going to look at verses 11 through 16. And then we're going to look at verses 18 through 20. So I'm asking you to follow with me uh, and go over to John 20. Uh, We seem to be hanging out in the book of John today. And that's wonderful. We're going to go over to Corinthians 2. Again, John 20. We're looking at verses 11 through 16. And then we're going to go to 18 uh, through 20. I am going to verse 11. And the word of God says this. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. Verse 12. And she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. 13. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. 14. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, And did not know him. No, did not know that it was Jesus. 15. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending To my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. 19. Then the same day. At evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, 
Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. How powerful is that? Mary Magdalene evangelizing, carrying the message. She saw him first. Unbelievable. It's so exciting. And he stood in their midst. And they were able to see that he still had the scars of his crucifixion and the piercing of his side. It said the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Can you imagine how revelatory that was? That Jesus spoke of this. He said it was going to happen down to the precise day and time. And that he would be resurrected. He said, I am the life and the resurrection. And though you die, you may live. So we're talking about men and women of God today. The resurrection and the life. Who could do that? No one but our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He has fulfilled the prophecy concerning his resurrection. And we have to be so excited about that. And let's understand that he's offering more eternal life Salvation, that we would be living with him. What other faith has Christ at the head? What other faith makes the promises that are verbatim from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that speak of my Father? Which is our Father. He speaks of my God, which is our God. What other faith is out there that has that? As its definition, what other faith is out there? That can 
hang his hat on this to be biblical, to be historical, to be divine, to be eternal. What other? Something that's man-made? I don't think so. We're going to go to 1 John. And we're going to go to chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. We're going to, again, 1 John chapter 1. And we're looking at verses 8 and 9. And the word of God says this, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And let's look at verse 10. If we say that we have no sin, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Very powerful, very qualifying. I'd like to share with you uh, some Bible commentary concerning this. Uh, It says here, John was attacking the second claim of the false teachers. Remember I told you we were in a series where we were talking about false teachers? teachers, or shall I say false prophets. Last week we talked about false prophets. So this is apropos that we are still looking at this. So again, may I start again? It says here John was attacking the second claim of the false teachers that people had no natural tendency towards sin. That they had no sin. And that they were then incapable of sinning. This is a lie. False teachers refused to take sin seriously. They wanted to be considered Christians. But they saw no need to confess and repent. The death of Christ did not mean much to them. Because they didn't think they needed it. Instead of repenting. And being purified by Christ's blood. They were encouraging sin among believers. In this life we are always capable of sinning. So we should never let down our guard. The false teachers not only denied that sin breaks fellowship with God. And that they had a sinful nature. But they also denied that their conduct involving any sin at all. That was a lie. That ignored one basic truth. All people are sinners by nature and by practice. At conversion of our sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future. Yet even after we become Christians, we still sin and still need to confess. That kind of confession is not offered to gain God's acceptance, but to remove the barrier to fellowship that our sin has put between us and him. It is difficult, however, for many people to admit their faults and shortcomings, even to God. It takes humility and honesty to recognize our weaknesses. 
And most of us would rather pretend that we are strong, but we need not fear revealing our sins to God. He knows them already. He will not push us away, no matter what we've done. Instead, he will draw us to himself. Confession is supposed to be free. Excuse me. Confession is supposed to free us to enjoy fellowship with Christ. It should ease our consciousness and lighten our cares. But some Christians do not understand how it works. They feel so guilty, guilty that they confess the same sins over and over. Then they wonder if they might have forgotten something. Other Christians believe that God forgives them when they confess. But if they died with unconfessed sins, they would be forever lost. These Christians do not understand that God wants to forgive us. He allowed his beloved son to die just so he could offer us pardon. When we come to Christ, he forgives all the sins we have committed or will ever commit. We do not need to confess the sins of the past all over again, and we don't need to fear that God will reject us if we don't keep our slate perfectly clean. Of course, we should continue to confess our sins, but not because failure to do so will make us lose our salvation. Our relationship with Christ is secure. Instead, we should confess so that we can enjoy maximum fellowship and joy with Him. True confession also involves a commitment not to continue in sin. We wouldn't be genuinely confessing our sins to God if we planned to commit them again and just wanted temporary forgiveness. We should also pray for strength to defeat temptation the next time we face it. If God has forgiven us for our sins because of Christ's death, why must we confess our sins? In admitting our sins... And receiving Christ's cleansing, we are, number one, agreeing with God that our sin truly is sin and that we are willing to turn from it. Two, ensuring that we don't conceal our sins from him and consequently from ourselves. And three, recognizing and consistently from ourselves. Excuse me, let me repeat that too. Ensuring that we don't conceal sins from him and consequently from ourselves. And three, recognizing our tendency to sin and relying on the power to overcome it. That was very powerful and inspiring. I appreciate the Bible commentary as it gave us some more meat to First John Chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. To some in the recovery community, those are considered recovery verses. So that's amazing. And you know what? All of us are in recovery for something. It's just not pertaining to, uh, you know, substances and alcohol. You know, sin is something that we're constantly battling and it's important that we understand how confession works because we don't want anything to hinder our ability to have fellowship 
with God. And let alone not to understand and appreciate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, being the resurrection and the life. That is... So crucial that we don't miss that. Because there are a lot of false teachers and false prophets saying that you don't need it. And I would propose, well, what is it that we do need? Because you're throwing away the scriptures that foretold of his coming and his purpose and how it was going to happen and what we had looking forward and a life with him not a man or a woman who had a disagreement and end up starting their own movement or religion separate and apart from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You want to align yourself and connect yourself with the one that has all power, not some power. And the one that is the resurrection and the life has overcome death, stands as the mediator, advocates on our behalf, personally takes our prayers to the Father, has promised us that he's coming back. And that we have eternal life and the gift of salvation through grace and not works because what if someone couldn't work? What if someone didn't have anything? How would they be able to get into the kingdom? They wouldn't if it was solely about our works. It's important that we uh, go over to Romans. And then I'm going to come over to 1 Corinthians. We're talking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ today. That he is the the resurrection and the life. He's not only one. He is both. Praise God for that. So let's look at the book of Romans and we are going to go over to Romans chapter 10 because we've been talking here about confession and I just wanted to show you something in Romans chapter 10 and we are going to look at verse 9 again I'm in the New King James Version Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. But verse 9 says this. 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I want to share this with you out of the commentary. It says, have you ever asked, how do I become a Christian? These verses give you the beautiful answer. Salvation is as close as your own lips and heart. People think it must be a complicated process, but it is not. If we believe in our heart and say with our mouth that Christ is the risen Lord, we will be saved. What man or woman can offer you that? What man or woman can offer you salvation? What man or woman is the propitiation for sin? The full payment of your sin, past, present, and future. The closest person to you is probably yourself and then you have parents siblings and some of us will have a wife or a husband some of us will have children grandchildren great grandchildren but in all that and in all those wonderful family connections that have been given spiritual authority by Almighty God Himself. Who, out of those, to include yourself, can give, let alone even offer salvation? The answer would be no one but the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the one that died for you. All souls belong to him. All souls belong to him because he went to the cross on your behalf and finished the work and established a new covenant in his blood. There's no covenant that we can establish that is ordained by God in our blood. Our blood is not suitable. We are sinners. Yes, sinners saved by grace, but our blood is not sufficient. So let's go to 
1 Corinthians. And we're going to go to chapter 11. And we are going to start at verse 17. And we are going to go down to verse 34. And there are a couple of things going on here. The Lord's Supper is a visible representation symbolizing the death of Christ for our sin. It reminds us of Christ's death and the glorious hope of his return. Our participation in it strengthens our faith through fellowship with Christ and with other believers. I was blessed and honored to lead two services today, and we offered communion at both of them. Praise God. And this body of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 17 through 34, as I shared with the congregants. So I would like to share them with my listeners. And again, I'm in the New King James Version. And the Word of God says this. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 17. Now, in giving these instructions, <clears throat> I do not praise you, since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. 18. For first of all, when you come together... As a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. Verse 19, for there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. 20, therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. 21, for in eating... Each one takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry, another is drunk. 22. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord 
in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. 30. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. 32. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. 33. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. 34. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. That was the Apostle Paul, and he was talking to the church at Corinth. Now, I would like to give you some commentary here that further explains what's going on. And it says, Paul acknowledges that there are differences among church members when they develop into self-willed divisions. However, there are destructive to the congregation. Those who cause division only serve to highlight those who are genuine believers. When the Lord's Supper was celebrated in the early church, it included a feast or fellowship meal, followed by the celebration of communion. In the church in Corinth, the fellowship meal had become a time when some ate and drank excessively, while others were hungry. There was little sharing and caring. This certainly did not demonstrate the unity and love that should characterize the church, nor was it in preparation for communion. Paul condemned these actions and reminded the church of the real purpose of the Lord's Supper. What does the Lord's Supper mean? The early church remembered that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper on the night of the Passover meal. Just as Passover celebrated deliverance from slavery in Egypt, so the Lord's Supper celebrated deliverance from sin by Christ's death. Christians pose several different possibilities for what Christ meant when he said, This is my body. One, some believe that the bread and wine actually become Christ's physical blood and body. Two, others believe that the bread and wine remain unchanged, but Christ is spiritually present with the bread and the wine. Three, Still others believe that the bread and the wine symbolize Christ's body and blood. Christians generally agree, however, that participation in the Lord's Supper is an important element in the Christian faith and that Christ's presence, however we understand it, strengthens us spiritually. What is the New Covenant? In the Old Covenant, 
people could approach God only through the priest, the sacrificial system, and the sacrificial system. Jesus' death on the cross ushered in a new covenant or agreement between God and us. Now all people can personally approach God and communicate with him. The people of Israel first entered into this agreement after the exodus from Egypt. It was designed to point to the day when Jesus Christ would come. The new covenant completes rather than replaces the old covenant, fulfilling everything the old covenant looked forward to. Eating the bread and drinking the cup shows that we are remembering Christ's death for us and renewing our commitment to serve him. Jesus said, This do in remembrance of me. How do we remember Christ in the Lord's Supper? By thinking about what he did and why he did it. Further, the remembering has both a backward and a forward look. We remember Christ's death as we remember that he is coming. If the Lord's Supper becomes just a ritual or a pious habit, it loses its significance. But when we appreciate what Christ has done and anticipate what he will do when he returns... The Lord's Supper takes on a profound sense of purpose. Take time to prepare yourself spiritually for communion. Gratefully recall Christ's loving sacrifice for you. Let the reality that your sins are forgiven motivate you to love and to serve Him better. Paul gives specific instructions on how the Lord's Supper should be observed. Number one, we should take the Lord's Supper thoughtfully because we are proclaiming that Christ died for our sins. Two, we should take it worthily and do reverence and respect. Three, we should examine ourselves for any unconfessed sin or resentful attitude and be properly prepared. Four, we should be considerate of others, waiting until everyone is there and then eating in an orderly and unified manner. When Paul said that no one should take the Lord's Supper unworthily, he was speaking to the church members who were participating in it without thinking of its meaning. No discerning the Lord's body means not understanding what the Lord's Supper means and not distinguishing it from a normal meal. Those who did so were guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Instead of honoring his sacrifice, they were sharing in the guilt of those who crucified Christ. In reality, 
No one is worthy to take the Lord's Supper. We are all sinners saved by grace. This is why we should prepare ourselves for communion through healthy introspection, confession of sin, and resolution of differences with others. These actions remove the barriers that affect our relationship with Christ and with other believers. Awareness of your sin should not keep you away from communion, but drive you to participate in it. That some of the people had died, many have been a special supernatural judgment on the Corinthian church. This type of disciplinary judgment highlights the seriousness of the communion service. The Lord's Supper is not to be taken lightly. The new covenant cost Jesus his life. It is not a meaningless ritual, but a sacrament given by Christ to help strengthen our faith. People should come to this meal desiring to fellowship with other believers and prepare for the Lord's Supper to follow, not to fill up on a big dinner. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home means that they should eat dinner beforehand so it as to come to the fellowship meal in the right frame of mind. How powerful was that? It really opens up your mind and makes you reflect as to what was going on in the church of Corinth. And then we fast forward to where we are right now. Talked about divisions in the church. Also, it said that these divisions highlight those who are really doing the work. Because those that are really doing the work, they will not be a part of division and dissension. They will continue to stay on the path. As the Holy Spirit gives them unction. And as the word encourages them. And as their desires become more Christ-like. They have a nature that is divine to do the will of the Father. And not their own will. The resurrection and the life. Men and women of God, we have something wonderful going for us. That no other faith can begin to expound upon. Christ was clear that he was the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He's our Lord and our Savior. He did the will of his father. The will of his God. Which is our father. And our God. And that we can call on his name. That with our mouths we make confession. 
that it was God Almighty that raised him up. And we believe that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died for our sins. And if we believe that in our heart and make confession with our mouth, then we too can be saved. It's been a glorious Resurrection Sunday. But every day, not just this day, remember that our Lord and Savior, the Lord and Savior to the entire world, is the resurrection and the life. I hope that you enjoyed the scriptures that I shared with you today. I pray that it empowers you, brings you closer to God, and that some have joined the family today. And we welcome you to the family. The blessings are real. Christ is real. The resurrection and the life are real. And they are there for you. God bless you. We love you. And save the lost at all costs. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit field, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 100.1 FM. Also, you can listen to KKVV Christian Talk Radio anytime via your cell phone. Please dial 605-313-0630. Again, that number is 605-313-0630. That number only works in the United States. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 33. 5852 North Las Vegas 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852 North Las Vegas 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.